Welcome to The Conscious Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Alex Raymond. This is the only podcast that is 100% dedicated to the well-being of entrepreneurs. Now, I know that being an entrepreneur is a long journey and it can be really tough. So on this show, we won't be sharing generic hero stories or talking about mythical unicorns. Instead, we'll get straight to the heart of what matters most, giving you tools and resources to grow, thrive, and succeed as an entrepreneur. Every week, I'll be speaking with incredible founders, CEOs, coaches, and authors to help you be more resilient and inspired as you build the business of your dreams. Can you imagine building a successful tech company, spending six years doing it, selling it to GoDaddy, having a successful exit, and then still feeling imposter syndrome? still feeling like you don't belong, still feeling like you don't deserve uh, or that you're not considered to be a successful entrepreneur. This is something that has come up for Brian Nolan, who is my guest on today's show. And he built this company called Cellbright, very successful, sold it to GoDaddy. And now that he's working on his next company, he still feels imposter syndrome. And that is not uncommon. This is something that comes up with a lot of entrepreneurs. And so on today's episode of the Conscious Entrepreneur Podcast, Brian and I talk about what that's all about and how to overcome imposter syndrome. We also talk about how he deals with the challenges of being an entrepreneur, what he's doing differently now that he's working on a new company. And then finally, at the end, I share how I got triggered and still get triggered with imposter syndrome as it relates to Conscious Entrepreneur, both this podcast and the summit that we put together. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Brian Nolan, founder and CEO of Book Outdoors. Welcome back to the Conscious Entrepreneur podcast. My guest today is Brian Nolan. Brian is the co-founder and CEO of Book Outdoors. And before that, he was the co-founder and CEO of Cellbrite, a company which was acquired by GoDaddy. So this is someone with a lot of entrepreneurial experience that we can all learn from, someone who has had the full range of roller coaster emotions of being an entrepreneur and CEO, and someone that we're going to learn a lot from about his journey in building these companies and making an impact out there in the world. So Brian, welcome. Great to see you again. Nice to see you too, Alex. Thanks for having me. Now, we met briefly at the Conscious Entrepreneur Summit in June right. uh, in Boulder, and I know that you were touched by some of the stuff that we were talking about. We spend a lot of time talking about the full spectrum of uh, the emotions and the highs and lows and ups and downs of being an entrepreneur. And I'm sure with your experience uh, of both at Book Outdoors and at Cellbrite and previous, by the way, uh, you've kind of, you know, you're, you're, you've experienced the full spectrum of color uh, when it when it comes to this. And, you know, I'd love to start off by learning a little bit more about your journey as an entrepreneur, uh, your motivations, where you've been, and and what that's been like. And then we'll go down some of the rabbit holes of the challenges that entrepreneurs face and the types of things that you're probably doing to overcome them. So give us just a background on kind of how you got motivated to be an entrepreneur, start taking risks uh, and building your own companies. 
Okay, sounds good. First, I want to say thank you for putting on the conference, by the way. That was my first time going, and it was second annual. Um, and it was awesome, and it was great to be surrounded by other founders because I think we'll get into this later, but that's part of um, my tool set for getting through this stuff is to be around other people doing the same thing. So thank you for doing that. It was it was a great, great. conference. Oh, you bet, you bet. Um, and and uh, we get a lot of positive feedback about it, mainly right. people saying it's so nice to have a community of other founders right. to realize that I am not alone. Correct. Yep, exactly. So my background, I've been in um, the tech space for quite a while, um, really since you know college and and right after college, I my started my career as a software developer. So I've been in the tech industry, both working for large companies um, like Price Waterhouse and uh, small startups as well. And so I was always the kid to like going way back. I was always the kid that had the lemonade stand that I was always looking kind of for um, entrepreneurial things to do. You know, when I look back at it, it was sort of the early days of that. I was also a Lego lover. So I loved building things from scratch and using my imagination. So when I think about my life or my career, that's all kind of fed into me being an entrepreneur. Um, but what I realized over time was I didn't necessarily like working for big companies and, and just having a small little sliver of responsibility and vision of the company. I liked stepping back and having more broad view and being able to contribute to all different parts of the company and taking something from zero from an idea to the market and having people use it and having it be valuable to people. So that all, uh, that personality, I guess, that those character traits all sort of led me to become an entrepreneur. Um, and so I had a small agency back in the day, a web development agency, and I bounced around from different companies uh, and ended up at a company that was an online retailer selling power tools online. And part of my responsibility was um, expanding our reach to sell on Amazon and eBay and Sears and these other e-commerce marketplaces. And it was difficult at the time. There wasn't really a good solution for it. So that sort of led to me starting my first company, Sellbrite, which solved that problem. It was essentially an e-commerce, uh, B2B, business-to-business um, you know, software company for e-commerce retailers and brands that made it easy for them to manage their inventory and all these channels. And so it was scratching that itch and solving that pain point that I had myself. And I felt like I really knew how it needed to be done and why the current, you know, old school solutions that were out there weren't working. Um, and so I took all my experience from coding and building websites and designing websites back in the day and um and working in this industry to put it into building that company um and so i had a co-founder as well mike uh, who i worked with at that same company and so we set off to to build that um and that was our first real entry into that having raised any money we raised a little bit we only raised about a million and a half dollars total for the life of the company so um it was, it was still very much like a bootstrap type of company um that was our first foray into it. And we made a lot of mistakes and we learned and it was hard and we fought and we fought through it. And, uh, you know, it, it was quite a roller coaster. Um, ultimately, we focused on building something valuable. And that's, you know, GoDaddy and, and a few others, frankly, were interested in the company. Um, we had a partnership already with GoDaddy. And so we really liked the team and the people there. And so we joined them in 2019. 
And I, and then I went to work at GoDaddy for two years and, uh, you know, it was very different going from a startup to a bigger corporation again. Uh, and, and after two years, I was ready to do something new and start something new again. And so that led to book outdoors and me starting. And that's a pretty common, I just want to double click on that. That's a pretty common thing that happens is you get acquired and then you, you are, uh, required, mandated, asked to stick around with the acquiring company for uh, a year or two as part of as part of that process. Now, I I, I really want to understand better, you know, kind of when you're you're building Sailbrite. So you see a problem, you see a, a problem in the market. You say, I've got a solution for this. Uh, you team up with with uh, your co-founder and you know create the company. At this point, you know. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you learning along? What did you learn along the way? Um, how long was that journey uh, to the acquisition? So we really started toying with the idea around 2012, and it was and at that time it was still a side gig we were doing, you know, at night after work. Um, we'd get together at my house or his place and you know, from like six to 10 work on this thing, uh, in, in the evening. And so we did a little bit of research and we figured out where some of the gaps were and decided to focus on solving one specific problem and got it out in the market with just one thing, one feature. We ended up becoming one feature of the whole thing, but just to see if we could get customers signed up. And we did, you know, we got people signed up and using that and paying us a monthly fee to use that one thing. And then that kind of led us to say, okay, wh what else are they asking for and what do we want to build? And we knew we needed money for that. And so we went shopping around to try to find some investors and, and found an incubator. We were living in LA at the time. I'm now in Denver, but um, we found an incubator idea lab that likes to invest very early at the idea stage. And um, so they gave us some money to prove it out. and and um, prove out the bigger vision of that thing. And I, it, it was interesting because there was a little bit of risk that we took, a lot of risk that we took there where I was pretty sure we were going to get this funding, but it hadn't come in yet. But I knew that I needed to show that I was fully dedicated to this thing. So I had to quit my job before I had the funding and I gave three weeks notice. And it was like the last second to the last day of my job that we locked in that funding and it was like, whew, I keep paying the bills now. <laughs> um, but that was sort of the first, you know, roll of the dice, first risk you have to take. And I've always thought this in my life and my career is that, you know, these kind of career risks, I've always felt like if it doesn't work out, I know what my skill set is and my strengths. And I could, you know, I could just go back to getting a job. Like if I really need to, I could go back to getting a job. And so that's always given me, the safety net and the comfort of like taking these risks. Um, uh, just kind of precursor back in my twenties after the dot-com crash and things kind of, there was no market for anything, no jobs. Um, I'd always wanted to be a paramedic. And so in the middle of my, my internet career, I stopped and, and went and put myself through paramedic school and became a paramedic for about five years in LA. Um, and that was the same kind of thinking, like I may not like this. And I ended up, not liking it as a career. I loved the work I was doing, but and ended up not liking it. So then I went back to tech after that, right? So, um, but I learned a lot from that job that's applied to this as well. And so the, sen the sense was 
there's always a market for my talents and skills and you're, you're sort of viewing this as a, as an experiment to go out there yeah, and, exactly. and start the company like, and see I, what happens. Right. And I, I totally get it as you get old, you know, a little bit later in life and you have more responsibilities and a family, it's a little harder to take those risks. But early on, if you're in your twenties or thirties and you don't have that yet, like go for it. Like you're going to, you can land on your feet essentially, no matter what. And you'll, you can figure out your way. Right. And it's less risky back then. Um, but even now I have a family and, you know, I'm taking a risk on this business. And, um, like I said, I always just feel like, yeah, I know what my skills are. I know where I can add value to another company if I really need to and go get a paycheck if I need to. Now, when you were creating uh Cellbrite and doing your first company, how did you decide who was going to be the CEO between you and your co-founder? Um, well, it was kind of my idea to start. And so I had done a lot of the research up front and kind of figured things out. And so I guess it just kind of came from that. I, I brought him in um, and talked to him about it. And yeah, he he came on as a as a co-founder and he knew where his skill set was. And so that's how we divided it up. And what did you learn about yourself taking on the CEO role? And how did you deal with those learnings? I'll put it that way. We know yeah. that we know there's a lot that go that that goes into this. It's one of these cases where, you know, at least in my experience, you can you can read all the books, you can go to all the whatever seminars or watch the videos, and there's nothing quite like uh, realizing that right. oh, I'm I'm the one with the CEO title on my business card. The buck really does stop with me. Yes. Yeah, you do learn quickly that there's a lot of responsibility with it, right? And especially after you start hiring people and their jobs and careers kind of depend on you making the right decisions as well. Um, so it is a lot of weight on your shoulders to be CEO. And, and especially early days, you're having to bounce around and do a bunch of different things. And so one of the things I learned is you have to be resourceful. You have to figure out how to get stuff done or who to talk to, to, to learn or where to go to learn it and, and move things forward, right? There is nobody to tell you what to do. So you, you have to kind of every once in a while, step back and look at the bigger landscape and prioritize what's important now and focus on those things and move all the pieces forward, move all the pawns forward little by little. Um, but you have to be resourceful. You have to be self-motivated um, because you, the, yeah, there's no instruction from a manager telling you, this is the thing we're going to work on today. You're making that decision. You got to figure it out. And, um, and you got to help the team and guide the team in that way too. So it's this, it's, you know, it's a bit exhausting of having the big vision and being able to be optimistic all the time and motivate the team and push everybody forward. But then also, um, especially early on, get in the weeds and figure out where you, where your strengths are and where you can add value and, um, and making sure you're hiring the right people where, you know, to fill in your weaknesses. Um, so I think that was the, sort of the biggest learning is how to do all that. Like if you've never done that before. What did you learn about your blind spots as a CEO? So you, you just mentioned, you know, you hire people, fill in your weaknesses to fill in for you. What did you learn that you're just, you know, not good at or things that you're like, oh man, someone else is way better than me or I don't like doing this. It's sapping my energy. Uh, were there any real surprises as you were taking on the CEO role? <laughs> Um, I mean, there's like specific business skill sets 
um, where you learn what you're good at and what you're not. So I, I come from a product background and I'm good at the vision and, and I like that piece of it and figuring out what to build. And then, but what I don't necessarily love is like the sales piece or even some of the marketing pieces that are very, um, uh, analytical in nature. Those to me are just not as creative as the stuff I like to do. So I like to be creative and I like to do those things from more of a personality skill set or personality trait side of things. Um, You know, I, I guess early on, you, you have to learn how to deal with that stress and those emotions and not let that come out to the team and even to your co-founder. You know, you hear this all the time that having a co-founder or co-founders is almost like having a marriage, like you're together all the time and you're going to fight and there's good days and bad days. And how do you, how do you manage that? How do you have empathy and how do you keep your emotions in check? And, um, and that's, and that's part of this loneliness, I think of being an entrepreneur is that oftentimes you can't share those emotions with your team for sure. Um, your employees, but even sometimes with your co-founder or your investors, it's, um, you know, having the network of people in the community, like you're building of other entrepreneurs is sometimes the only people that get it and that you can kind of talk to about these things. So that part of it is, is hard. Like it's an emotional drain. And goes back to the mental health, right? How do you stay healthy mentally and physically, but especially mentally through that whole journey? On that note, what were the things that came up for you? So I, I talk to entrepreneurs all the time. We do the summit. There was a couple hundred of them there. Uh, I have a big network of folks that I chat with as well. And I know that the common ones are burnout. Right. So I just like hit a wall or imposter syndrome, meaning I feel like I don't belong here. People suffer from paralyzing amounts of fear and anxiety, or in some case, in some cases, depression also also trips in. And 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 I've seen the I've seen a really wide range and, and people have different strategies for different things. Um, but I, I feel like we're all kind of governed by one core issue, if you will, one core wound. What was that? What was that for you? What what was the one that was most often bubbling to the surface? All of those apply for sure. Uh, imposter syndrome is a real thing. Even now, even now I've built and sold and, and had some success at building a company. You still have imposter syndrome now, right? So it's creeps in all the time. And it's, it's that's sort of like the self-doubt of do I act am I qualified? Do I actually have the skill set to do this and pull this off? Do, and even more so, do other people believe that? Do, does my team believe in me and believe that I have the skill set if I sometimes don't feel like I believe in myself? And that's, you know, and so you start thinking about what are, what are the other people thinking and that kind of compounds it. And the so, flip what, side, so what is that? So what does that look like? So, you know, you've got the, let's call it the facts of the world, right? Ryan started a business, it was successful, it had great partnerships and people were interested in acquiring it and then got acquired and, you know, success. So we have that sort of real world data, if you will. And then we have the right. story that we're telling ourselves. So the story is like, in my experience, at least emotional, like it doesn't have words, it doesn't have language, it just sort of pops up as like a feeling. Yeah. 
And so how do you then work with that if you're saying, hey, I know that there's facts and data that uh, I, I can do this. I've got the skills and the talents and I'm worthy and I've done it. And, you know, people like me and respect me and all this stuff. And at the same time, there's still this like emotional, like I was saying, probably nonverbal part of you that's just like sort of sending warning signals. How, how are you splitting those two yeah. apart and how, how do you <laughs> deal with that? That's super hard. And, and you can have that data, but that internal dialogue will still tell you, don't trust that data, essentially. It's like, yeah, I built this successful company. We had a great team and we were like a little family. And, but maybe that was all because of my co-founder. Or maybe that, you know, you start thinking these other things like, why, uh, you know, why were those things successful? give you a, a real world example in this company we early on had some um i'll call them tough hires uh some um maybe incorrect hires that we made and some key roles and so we had a, some turnover and we had to let some people go and i couldn't figure out how that could happen after having hired great people at my last company and had such a great relationship with them. And I felt like I was empathetic. I got told I was a good empathetic leader, but then all of a sudden on this case, like the opposite happens and how does that happen? And so you start, you know, you start doubting, like, do I know how to hire people? Am I a good leader? And for me, what I have to do is step back and either um, self-reflect and think about like, go back to, to remembering the days of, you know, and, and how we did things before in the previous company and, and sort of remind myself of that. I talked to my wife about it, who was there through that whole journey and having a, you know, good support system. My wife's been super support supportive of, of this through the whole thing. Um, talking to her and just talking through these things. And she can remind me sometimes of how things were from her perspective. Right. Um, those are you just, you know, you have to find the tools and the way to work through those things, but it creeps up all the time. And part of it too, I think when I was talking about, does the team believe it? Sometimes it's just putting on, a, not a mask, but like pulling out your actor card, if you will, and standing up in front of the, front of the team and pushing through the feelings of self-doubt and for projecting um, confidence and optimism to the team, right? Even though sometimes if you don't fully believe that you just have to like put on that face and do that, um, and push through it. And then actually, once you do that, you, you sometimes feel better and you tend to feel better. And, and you realize that you were right. And the team does believe in you and you, you actually do have the skills and the confidence. So a lot of that is just like pushing through and figuring out ways to get through that and getting the feedback that you do know what you're doing. On that point, uh, one of the speakers at the Conscious Entrepreneur Summit was uh, Dr. Srikumar Rao, and he's got a really great and interesting way of looking at that where he says, we all get so confused and uh, wrapped up in being the character in the movie, and we forget that we're the actor, right? Meaning what I mean there is... You can you can easily get so caught up in the day to day and you get so twisted into whatever role you're playing, entrepreneur, CEO, husband, father, whatever, all these things. Right. And 
if we step back and realize that we're the actor, we can display different character traits when we need to. So if you, like you were saying, That's if, right. Hey, there's times when you need to just, you know, put on, put on a, a certain mindset, right? Adopt a mindset start to think and talk in a certain way because that's part of the role. That's part of what a CEO does. CEOs project confidence and optimism and, and so on. And so even if you're not feeling it, you sort of step into that role and then you do it and then, and then you feel better. And, and the important thing is then be able to de detach back and say, oh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the actor here this entire thing. I'm not just stuck in one particular role. So I think that's a really nice kind of conjunction of those two, of those two themes. What about, so you basically said yes to everything when we were talking about burnout, imposter syndrome, anxiety, depression, fear, and so on. So, <laughs> so, so what else came up for you? Do you have a burnout story that you can share? Yeah. Well, I'll say one thing too, before I get to the burnout, but the flip side of imposter syndrome is also true, right? I started Cellbrite, this more so for Cellbrite. So I started Cellbrite, I did the research. And so oftentimes I felt like I always knew the answers and it was hard for me to, tr to, in the beginning to delegate or trust that other people might actually know more than I do <laughs> and have the better answer, especially with my co-founder. And that was obviously the, uh, the result in some of the, you know, the bickering that we had was, am I right or his, or is he right? And I always thought that was right. And so learning to let that go sometimes and let other people try their thing. And even if it doesn't work, and especially if it doesn't work, not to be the, I told you so person either. Um, so that's sort of the flip side of imposter syndrome is thinking, you know, everything. And I think that's a, that's a big part of it. Um, burnout. Yeah. I mean, taking a deep breath right now, cause it's exhausting. And um, there was, several times um, with Cellbrite because we hadn't raised a lot of money that we were close to running out of money and I was tired and you just want to throw in the towel and like be done. Um, I actually gave a little talk on this back in the day about grit and about persistence and uh, perseverance and passion. Those are sort of the things that go into grit. Um, that's one of the things as an entrepreneur, you just have to have, you have to be able to go a step or more further than most people would. Um, and so you have to find that energy and figure out how to push forward through burnout. And so for me, even what I do now is when I have the energy, I go and I try to put in as much time as I can. And usually, you know, sometimes I'm working late and, and take advantage of having that energy. But when my when I'm feeling done and I'm feeling like I'm hit a wall, I listen to myself and I back off. And I you have to realize that it's not going to do you or the company any good if you try to keep that same energy level up and work as much as you do when when your energy is actually down, right? When you're feeling that burnout. So take the time, go to bed early. It's not gonna matter if you go to bed at eight o'clock a night, you know, one night and you don't get an extra two hours of work, that's not going to make a difference in the long term, to be honest. You know? So listen to your body, take the time to recharge, take a vacation. Actually, that's something I never did really at Cellbrite either that I wish I would have done that I'm doing now. I think over 
so we still, I, uh, I forgot to answer your question before, but we started Cellbrite about 2012, 2013, we went full time, 2019, we sold it. So about six years, I think I took a few three day weekends. So a couple Fridays or Mondays off and that's it. Like I didn't take any vacation really at all. Um, definitely no week long vacations. Didn't, you know, get on a plane to go anywhere. Um, and that's, that's tough too. So you got to give yourself a break. You got to lead by example there because you don't want your team to recharge as well. Um, and you just work through that. And, and it kind of goes back to that thing of, you know, if you take a few days off to go relax and recharge, it's not, the company is not going to fall apart as much as you think it may. It's not going to stop. You're still going to pick up, you know, where you left off. And, um, so you just have to be diligent about those practices and like, make sure you give yourself your body and your, in your mind, what, what it needs to recharge. And as you now are on this other chapter, the next chapter of your entrepreneurial journey. So you did sell bright, you made it, you made, you made it through, you survived. It was successful. It was an exit. Uh, you then said, all right, I'm going to go do another one. So you got bitten by the entrepreneurial bug. You, you go build book outdoors. What is that like for you? How is it different? And are you doing the things you just said? Are you leading by example? Are you taking the rest that you need? Are you getting the support that's required for you? Like, how are you different now that you've, you've already gone, had one success under your belt? Yeah, there's so many things that are different. And one is just age and where I am in my life. You know, I started Cellbrite. I was, I don't remember exactly what age, but I was younger. I didn't have the family yet. You know, I wasn't married yet. Had tons of energy. Um, starting book outdoors in my mid forties with a wife and a kid is different. Like it just, it, I'm, I'm older. I'm, I'm, I went through the ringer with Cellbrite. So I'm tired, more tired. Um, I have to, carve out more time for my family. And that's important to me is to be present with my family when I'm spending time with them and try to not, it's a, it's a tough balance because sometimes the company needs you and there's fires that you have to jump on. But I try to be present with my daughter when I'm playing with her and, you know, and doing stuff like that. So I think that piece of it is different. Um, motivation is a little bit different, honestly. You know, when I started again, when I started the first company, personally, financially, I didn't really, because I had jumped around from different startups and did my own thing, I didn't really have a savings. I didn't have traditional 401k or anything like that. So that was my savings. Like it had to work. <laughs> and I was very motivated by like, this company has to work. There is no plan B. And I'm driven by that. Now I have a little bit of a financial cushion because I sold that company. So it's not a pure money motivation for me anymore. Well, Celebrate wasn't a pure money motivation, but you know it's not as motivated by money as as um, I was the first time in building a company. And really, you should never be purely motivated by the money; otherwise, you're not going to make the right decisions in a company. But now, it's, for me, it's about I'm just not done building things yet. Like I want to build something of value. I want to have a personal accomplishment that I could build something bigger than what Cellbrite was that touches more people, that brings more value to the world. Um, you know, Book Outdoors is now a 
a, a travel booking site like Expedia or Booking.com, but for outdoor accommodations, so campgrounds, cabins, glamping, things like that. So it's more of a consumer-facing business that definitely touches a broader audience than Celebrate did. So this is super interesting to me to take on a new challenge to see if I could take everything I learned over the last decade and apply it to this and, you know, and, and get through new challenges and stuff. So it's, for me, that's the motivation on this one. Um, so you're motivated by different things. You have a different, you know, different point in life, a different age. And, um, and you just, you know, you, I guess you have a bigger network and you realize what's important in the company and what's not. And, um, and, you know, we've raised more money already in this company, venture capital money, than I did the whole time at Celebrite. So that's a different experience for me as well. Um, so it's all it's all fun. Like, I'm, I want to continue to have fun doing this. And Do you have um, a co-founder in this business? I have a few in this one. This was a little bit unique. Um, and I'm one of uh, a few co-founders. Some are from the tech space, some are from the outdoor hospitality space, and we all kind of came together to make this happen. I'm the only one that's really full-time day-to-day in the business. The others are more like advisor, board member, co-founders that are involved in helping making strategic decisions and industry uh, network and, and things like that. But I'm the only one that's full-time. So that's okay. a different dynamic as well. Okay. So, so, so they're not, they're not as involved in the business as, as would be a full-time sort of traditional co-founder type of person like, like you did at the last one. Okay. Yeah. And, and what's the difference between the two? How do you, which, which model do you prefer? How's it working? I actually prefer the other model. I actually prefer to have a co-founder in the trenches with me because that is somebody that you can talk about all the hard things in the business and share that info. Not that I can't with, these co-founders and I do, but since they're not in it day to day, seeing every little decision and every little thing that happens, it's hard to give them a recap of all that and kind of get them up to speed and then talk through it. You know, it's just, it's it's more like talking through it with maybe an investor or something than it is a co-founder that's in the trenches with you. So I think it's, um, I think having that partner that's with you day to day is super valuable um, and, and helpful. And so I, I want to talk about that because you mentioned the importance of, uh, your wife's support to you as you were doing Celebrite and I presume book outdoors right. as well. You talked about how, uh, you and Mike were kind of figuring out how to work together. And, and obviously there's going to be some things sometimes that you're having conflict or differing opinions and, and work through them. And I'm curious, you know, one of the things that, that happens, especially for men, right, is that we're not great at opening up. We're not great about fully revealing and talking about everything that's going on. And that can, that withholding can lead to stunted relationships or, you know, like not a free flow of information. And I'm curious to hear about your experience with, with Mike in particular, your co-founder, you know, how did you smooth that out? What working agreements did you come up with? How did you, did you ever sit down and like talk about how we're going to work together and, you know, that sort of thing in a, in a really uh, conscious manner? So let's see, Mike and I were friends first. So we worked at that company together and we were buddies first and, you know, would hang out and go out 
uh, to happy hours and stuff like that. Um, so when it came time to start building the company together and I hadn't, I had met my now wife right at the very beginning of Cellbrite. So we, you know, we weren't married yet. Somehow she still married me, even though we were going through this crazy You still found the time to get married, even if you didn't take any vacations. Yeah. No honeymoon. Didn't go on a honeymoon, but yeah. No honeymoon. Wow. Um, Okay. Yeah. Um, And so with Mike, you know, it, I don't, I've never gone. um, Actually, no, I have. So I I think having a co-founder that's a friend first is similar to having a friend that then becomes your roommate. Like you learn so much more about them than if they're just your friend. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And there's all kinds of people warnings saying, don't go into business with your friends, you know, because it could go south and it could actually ruin the friendship. Uh, And definitely don't hire friends. And I've made both of those mistakes. (laughs) Um, But um, I liked having him as, as a friend first, because we, we knew our personalities you know, each personality and we knew what triggered each other and what to avoid. And, um, so it was just when you know somebody already and you already have that comfort level, it's very, it's a lot easier to talk about some of these things. Now we would talk about business things and challenges and the hard parts about business. I don't know if I ever opened up and told him how I was feeling you know, and, um, yeah, I'm trying to think back of like, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we ever really shared like specifically calling out the emotions. I feel scared right now, or I feel nervous or I feel whatever. Um, it's a skill that you got to learn. And if you don't, if you don't know it, you know, if it's not natural to you, which, you know, frankly, as men, it's not very natural for most of us. Uh, right. It's hard. And I'll, I'll just share from from my experience, like uh, when I talk to my co-founder and, you know, we're always talking about business stuff, there's only one level of conversation that takes place. And if I then am able to identify and articulate a feeling and a whole nother level of conversation winds up taking place. And often you know, my perspective is along the entrepreneurial journey, it really is a marathon and not a sprint. And the gold is in that second level of conversations, right? Like the real meaningful change or meaningful feeling of satisfaction or happiness or success happens there, as opposed to tinkering with all the many, many things there are to tinker with in a business. Right. Yeah, that's very true. I'm fortunate to have that with my wife. Like I can tell her anything and tell her how I'm feeling and we could talk through stuff. And she does the same for me. She's an executive at another tech company and, you know, so she feels stress in a different way. But, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I do think that's really important finding somebody that you can talk to about that, whether it's a friend or a spouse or a therapist or another founder or, but, but you have to get to that second level with somebody. I, I agree. Like you have to get beyond just the nuts and bolts of the business. One of the things that I've seen is a lot of um, stuff on the book outdoors 
website and a lot of the the messages because you know like you said it's a it's an online booking pl platform for outdoors activities there's a lot of stuff there around the benefits of getting outside being in nature uh forest bathing sunshine you know 90 minute walks whatever it is uh tell me about how you see that manifesting for you what are the things that you've learned about getting outdoors, breathing in fresh air, you know, here in Colorado, there's a, there's a lot of that, uh, but it sounds like that's a real th sort of through or a, or a thread that kind of goes throughout the whole book outdoors philosophy. And I assume a lot of that comes from you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I grew up in Southern California. Now I live in Colorado. So lots of sunshine. I love being outdoors. I now live on a small ranch. I'm part of the reason we moved from, from LA to hear is to have a little bit more space and land to be able to get outdoors and have animals. Um, so I'm big on outdoors and nature now, especially with our connected lives. And we say this too quite a bit that we feel like getting outdoors is the remedy to our modern connected lives. Just turning off your screen, putting it down, putting your laptop down, your phone down and walking outside and getting that sunshine, feeling the breeze, taking a deep breath, going for a walk is so powerful. There's, you know, there's data and science behind this as well. Um, but just personally too, I mean, it's a big part of what I do, um, to, to relax or to, you know, get through some of the tough points when I feel like the weight is on my shoulders and, um, it's just to get outside and, and, uh, and I like animals too. So we have 10 animals here on the property that I love and get. Oh yeah. What kinds? A lot of draw from. We have uh horse, goats, chickens, cats, and dogs. Yeah. Um, so they bring me a lot of joy too. And they let me, um, divert my attention to them for a little bit. And I think that's a big part of it is if you can, this is sort of the whole mindfulness piece is being present and focused on whatever it is you're doing and not having this, your monkey mind go run wild. And so I think when I'm with, when I'm outdoors and I'm with the animals, it gives me that space in my head to put the company or the business or whatever it is aside for a moment and be there present and um, just gives that break that you need sometimes. Um, so yeah, being outdoors is, is, we're, we're big on that in the company and we think that's an important part of human nature and we feel like the world would be in, in a better place if people spent more time outdoors and, and that's the one thing that kind of connects us all right we when we we're developing our logo even we were thinking what's the one thing that's natural or you know uh, you know uniform to everybody in the entire world and it's the sun and it's sunshine and it's water. Um, so that's how our logo came about. Like we wanted something that ties everybody together and that's uniform to everybody. You just mentioned mindfulness and it makes me wonder what are your personal practices to get through the days and weeks and months and years of being an entrepreneur? Do you have certain things that you really rely on to help keep yourself level, sane? happy moving in the right direction yes um i am not the type of person that has a 
strict schedule or strict discipline of doing the same thing every day. So some people meditate 10 minutes every day, same time. That's not me or exercise or whatever it is, right? I, I find it harder to stick to a schedule like that. So I just pull on the tools as I feel necessary. Um, mindfulness meditation, I absolutely love. And I got into it way back at the very beginning of Cellbrite. My roommate at the time um, would meditate and I, I kind of knew what it was, and I thought, and I, I was learning about the benefits of it, but I didn't know how to do it. Didn't know really what, like, what was the right way? What was, what was I supposed to be feeling? So I was trying to figure out like how to learn it. And this is even back before like Headspace or Calm or any of these apps were really around to guide you. Um, and uh, so when we started Cellbrite, we, when we moved out of that little incubator and got our own office, one of the first things we did was hired a mindfulness meditation coach to come in. Uh, I think in the beginning it was every week. And would lead the team. I only required it once for everybody in the, the first session. And then I said, now it's optional. It's up to you. Uh, but we had a pretty good turnout of people that would go every week. And he would guide us in uh, you know, meditation practices and give us different tools and different ways to do things. Uh, and then we had a room in the office that was dedicated for meditation. So it was this little room that you wouldn't really do anything else with. It was almost like a closet. And so we put a couch and some stuff in there to make it comfortable and you could close the curtain and like use that space as your meditation space. So, um, so that's how I learned mindfulness meditation, um, for people who want to learn now, I think there's tools, like I said, headspace, calm, um, 10% happier is another awesome app in the book, 10% happier by Dan Harris, former ABC news anchor is awesome. That's a great starting point. If you were like me, where you're like, yeah, I kind of know what it is. Maybe I want to learn more 10% happier. Pick up that book or the audio book read by him is, is awesome too. Cause it's quite funny. Um, but it's a good intro into mindfulness meditation and it, and it's all about awareness of your thoughts. Really. I mean, it's about understanding, um, and, and not trying to clear your head cause that's impossible, but being aware of your thoughts and being aware of how those thoughts make you feel and your emotions so that you can be, um, you know, re reactive to those emotions in the right way. Um, and so I lean on meditation when I feel like I need it. Um, sometimes it's 15 minutes and, you know, kind of a longer or even longer meditation. If I, if I really feel like I need to settle and, and kind of be there, sometimes it's a minute or five minutes or whatever I can get in. Another thing I learned too is just nowadays, you know, we're a fully remote team. So a lot of our, my life right now is still on Zoom calls, which are exhausting. I think more exhausting than being in person. So sometimes what I need to do is just in between these back-to-back -back meetings, before I jump on the next Zoom call, I just sit and I take a deep breath, close my eyes and just let out some pressure in between these calls for 20 seconds. Like sometimes that's all you need. Um, and so these practices that I've learned along the way just help me, um, as I need them, you know, in different, different points of the journey. Yeah. Great. I mean, it's mindfulness meditation is such an important thing these days. And I like the way that you, you talked about it, just being aware of your thoughts. So it's not that you go, you don't go chasing your thoughts. So you don't think all the thoughts, you just realize that they're there and that they're happening. And, 
at least that's that's how I have done it before. It's just kind of yeah. like you like you see passing clouds in the sky because uh, you don't want to just sit there and make a grocery list or, you know, sit there and do a task list of all things I need to do, which is, you know, it happens when people try to meditate for sure. Right. Uh, but mindfulness is just awareness that there's a lot of activity going on inside of our brains. Yeah. And for the way I kind of think about it, I like to focus on the breath, which is common, you know, uh, point that point of focus that they teach you. So thinking about that, you know, your lungs expanding and focusing on your breath, but it's that awareness because things are going to creep in your head. The to-do list or whatever is going to pop up. And the whole goal is to be aware of that and aware of how that makes you feel. And then bring your focus back to your breath again without judgment. Like don't beat yourself up that your mind is racing because that's everybody. But it's just aware of these things that are popping up and then bring it back into that focus again. And um, It's not easy. Like it takes practice, right? I mean, it's, they call it a mindfulness practice. It's, um, but it's, it's easier with repetition over time and it's easier with these apps that can guide you. How does that make you a better entrepreneur and CEO? Ooh, great question. Um, well, I, I think it gives me the awareness of how I'm feeling at that moment so that I can adjust as needed, uh, and be a makes it easier to be present and listen and focus with my team. Um, which is hard to do, especially on Zoom when you're not face-to-face. Um, so it gives me this skill set, I think, to do that. Um, but also, yeah, that that sort of awareness of what, this is what I think a conscious entrepreneur is, actually, is that awareness of what your strengths and weaknesses are and awareness of how you're feeling and your emotions so that you can use that uh, to your advantage, but also use, you know, to, um, to guide your decisions and guide how you're feeling. And sometimes, you know, you just need to like, it's okay to like step away from the team for a little bit. If you're feeling the pressure and you're feeling like I would not be good interacting with somebody right now, that's, that's okay. And the awareness that you know, that is what's most important. And you can say, you know what, can we reschedule this meeting? I'm just, I, I'm too distracted or I'm upset about something that just happened and I don't want to, you know, take that out on you or whatever. So like that awareness, I think helps a lot. And being able to reflect on what you're thinking, how you're feeling through mindfulness makes me a better entrepreneur. Wow. That's such a cool story that you were just mentioning there about, you know, you have the awareness and then you, uh, and so, so you have the awareness of how you're feeling or what's going on inside of you. And then there's times when you have to step away or kind of change what you're doing. But then you talked about how you communicate that with your team to say, Hey, this is happening for me. And I'm curious, like, so, so you have that you you're doing mindfulness meditation. You have this awareness, you've learned how to communicate it. When you start to talk like that, do others in the team mirror? Do they start to exhibit the same level of self-awareness and then communication style? Did you have to go around and teach anybody? Hey, I'm going to say this. It might sound weird the first couple of times, but get used to it because it's it's how I it's how I roll. Or was it natural and organic? Or did some people just totally resist and not want to go there? What happened? Yeah, I'm going to go back to the Celebrite days because again, we were all in the same office, and like I said. 
we did these offsite meetings every once in a while with the whole team where we take them somewhere like the zoo or whatever, and like get a meeting room there. And we'd often start those with everybody sitting around the table and we say, okay, we're going to close our eyes for five minutes and do a little meditation. And that, you don't know how people are going to react to that, right? That's like some people may roll their eyes. I think that's kind of going back to this imposter syndrome thing, like the eye rolling. You think people are going to roll their eyes with what you're saying or the hokiness of what you're saying, right? Um, but the reality is people appreciate it and like it and like that you're thinking about them and the mental health and like that you're maybe teaching them something new. And, and maybe it's not for everybody and that's fine. Like, you know, if they don't want to practice it going forward, that's fine too. It's been a little harder to do that in this fully remote company. Um, just because you're not there in front of somebody all the time, right? You're doing, you have these scheduled zoom calls. Um, so that it's a little harder for that to come across, but, you know, I think at the previous company in the office setting, we did talk about that quite a bit. And I did use those terms every once in a while. And, um, yeah, I think they, I think most of the team we, we hired appropriately too. like, we hired the people that would fit into that kind of culture. Um, and, and like I said, not to say that they had to be a mindfulness meditator, but um, we built a certain kind of culture and a certain kind of person that understood these things and understood how important mental health is for the journey. Because even though they're not the founder, it's early stage employees have a lot of stress and stress and pressure too. And there's a lot of help, you know, a lot of uh, mental health concerns for them as well. So, um, you know, in this company now, the being fully remote, part of our employee perks is that we, we reimburse for any kind of mindfulness app that somebody wants to subscribe to, uh, or gym membership or Peloton or whatever it is. Those are the things that the perks that we offer since we don't have the office. Um, so we communicate that importance in other ways as well. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, the reaction at first, you never know what, what the reaction is going to be, um, especially when we brought in Nick, our, our coach, who was awesome, but you never know how people are going to take it. But, you know, I think most people are receptive to wanting to learn and to have tools for themselves. Well, I'll just, I'll just share when you were talking about that meeting at the zoo with Selbright and, and, uh, and that triggering an imposter syndrome it, for, for me, it triggers imposter syndrome to do conscious entrepreneur actually like it, because I'm like, I'm not some fancy guru guy. I'm not some, you know, uber successful meditator, a hundred, hundred days a year kind of person, like, you know, you know, whatever's out there. And so I feel sometimes like, Oh, I'm way out ahead of my skis here. Like nobody's going to listen to me. You know, nobody thinks it's important. Like who am I, who am I to, be talking about this stuff and so i literally felt a reaction in me when you were talking about when i just visualizing what it would be like to be in a meeting and say we're going to start with five minutes of meditation i would feel like oh i should be pulling back i shouldn't be doing this you know and so on yeah. uh and so that's something that's still very much alive for me even as i'm doing this i mean even this podcast here is all is all about this topic i still feel totally there's still a part of me that's like, you're out of place. You don't belong here. You shouldn't be talking about this stuff. Like, you know, 
nobody cares. Go back and do your normal thing. <laughs> you know, and I think, so now from my perspective, looking at you and the conference and the podcast, I, I think it's okay that we're all, that the leader of this is learning at the same time we are, right? Like, and that's kind of how I felt with my team. Maybe I have a little more information because I started thinking about this a little bit and I'm bringing it to you guys, but, but this is a learning for me too. I'm bringing this coach, not because I'm the expert, but because I want to learn as well. But, but sometimes that's just what people need is for somebody like you, for conscious entrepreneur or me at the company to like get that going and to lead it and to organize it. And that's why we're all so appreciative of what you're doing because otherwise we're just all, we're not going to self-organize. So it needs somebody to do that, right? To organize it. Even if you don't, you don't feel like you're the expert, you're not the, like the, the ultimate guru, you're learning with us. That's fine. Um, like there's no shame in that at all. Right. Um, but yes, your, your inner dialogue tells you that. <laughs> we're all, we're all on, we're all on the journey and we're learning. And this is, uh, this is us going out and, and doing our best every day. And Brian, I just want to say it's been great to have you here. I really appreciate you sharing these stories and being so open and authentic and vulnerable for us. And great to see you. And thanks for joining. Thank you, Alex. And hopefully this was helpful to somebody. Um, I'm, by the way, always open. You can find me on LinkedIn. Other founders have reached out and I'm happy to meet. Just met somebody awesome here in Denver that's also moved here right about the same time I did and is a a founder as well. Um, so we get to talk about things and share. So I am open if one people want to find me on LinkedIn, happy to have conversations with people. Um, that community is important. So thank you for bringing us together and thank you for having me on the, on the show. Awesome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the conscious entrepreneur. If you're ready to go deeper into working on yourself, check out the upcoming events, articles, and resources on our website, which is ConsciousEntrepreneur.us. I'd also really like to thank the team at Hivecast for producing this episode. If you run a podcast and are looking for an awesome, full-service production company, make sure to check out Hivecast.